Welcome back to Take Us McGinnis Elder Care Law Hour. I'm Tim Take Us, and today we're talking about advanced directives. What happens if you can't make a health care decision for yourself? And I'm Barbara McGinnis. We're going to be talking with a local family medicine physician about how do we start that conversation about advanced directives and decision making with our doctor. What, who brings it up? How do we get started? So with us is Dr. Anthony Dallas. Dr. Dallas, good morning. Hello. Good morning. So when a patient's coming to see you, who starts that conversation? Do, do you want them to bring it up to you that they're ready to start talking about end of life planning? Well, as a primary care physician, I feel it's my obligation to bring that up to them. Now, not all physicians will do that. Some feel more comfortable than others. Yeah. But I usually encourage all family physicians to discuss it with their patients, usually on the annual exam. Uh, but if they don't, if we don't, then I think it is the patient's responsibility to bring it up also. Uh, what I encourage them to do is just when the doctor sits there and says, do you have any other questions? You can go, yes, I do have a question. Mm -hmm. I've heard that I should maybe consider an advanced directive. Can we talk about that? And that gets the conversation going. Right. Now, it, 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 this, is, this is the same question that Barb asked me before okay. on our, our opening segment. At what age should someone start talking to someone about advanced directives, specifically about to their physician? Yeah. Well, I it, mentioned 18, age 18, yeah. but. And I agree with you. Uh, uh -huh. It's really something that's at all ages. Uh, most of us consider that it's something that if you have a chronic disease or you're terminal or if you're elderly, that's when you ought to think about it. Well, that's not the case because any age, you can suddenly find yourself incapacitated. Mm -hmm. So you really need to start as an adult, 18 and older, having that conversation. And really, as parents, we need to be thinking that conversation is about our kids also. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So when patients start talking about that with their family, with their family doctor, sometimes they just think that it's like when I have that terminal diagnosis or we're talking about life support, but there's lots of other choices that need to be made along the way, right? Yes. What, what kind of conversations would that look like? Well, what you want to do when you're talking with the patients is let them realize that you can be incapacitated for multiple different reasons. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are short term that could kind of resolve, other ones are more long term, some are terminal. Yeah. So there are all different situations in there. So you need to talk about each of those situations. What would you like done if you were terminal? Well, that may be different than what would you like done if it's a short term incapacitation that you think you're going to be recovering from. Right. Uh, most of us think about the CPR and the ventilators and those, but the tube feedings, they all mentioned that earlier. Tube feeding is something that, would you want tube feeding? Would you want IV fluids? Would you want antibiotics given if you were having an infection? Mm -hmm. uh, again, all those questions can be brought up and discussed. Other things you consider, do you want dialysis? You know, yeah. uh, And then you can also talk about or would you want to be a candidate for an organ transplant or a tissue donor? You know, do you want to, you know, those are all discussions that makes a difference depending on the situation that you find yourself in. You know, and I'm going to guess is, is that for persons like me who don't have medical background, you know, that I'm going to be looking to my physician to help me. Yeah. Okay, when should I have a, okay, when should I do feeding tubes? 
you know, when should I not? Under what circumstances is it helpful? What circumstances is, is it going to be burdensome? Right. I mean, that sounds to me like a really like right in your wheelhouse. Yes. You know, when a cl when a patient says, "Well, should I do this, doctor?" You know, and you might say, "Well, if you're 21 years old, you know, and you have a skiing accident, yes." Yeah, the well, circumstances are different depending yeah. on where you find yourself. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Right. So, what about emergency situations um, and no one's available? Um, okay, so what happens then? Okay, uh, and I know we have an you know an yeah. ER physician here uh, today, so. Well, um, you know, as a primary care doctor, if, if something finds themselves in that situation to where they're incapacitated and you do not have a, a medical power of attorney or you do not have an advanced directive, then you're really left to doing what it takes to sustain life. Uh, so you'll go on and will do the CPR. You will do uh, the ventilators. You will do the things that will keep them alive. Uh, now you'll discuss it with the family members and other people that are associated with mm -hmm. them, but mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those things you err on the side of sustaining life as opposed to with not providing treatment. Right. Sure. Well, when a patient comes to you for their Medicare or their welcome to Medicare mm -hmm. visit, what happens then? What does that visit look like? Well, the Welcome to Medicare visit is a visit that uh, Medicare allows uh, new people that are eligible for Medicare to have with their primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a visit where you can sit down with your doctor and really go over your total health care. Mm -hmm. You talk about your past medical history, any illnesses, surgeries you've had. You talk about any medicines you're on, any allergies. Uh, uh, you talk about your family history, social history, a really good thorough physical exam that's done usually, and then just the history. Uh, but the other thing that you look at is you look at preventative things, you know. Are you doing the colonoscopies and the, you know, pap smears, the mammograms, the bone density, all the tests that mm -hmm. are recommended at certain ages. Uh, and then you look at immunizations. Do you have the immunizations that are recommended for your age? But one of the most important things, I think, is you do discuss the advanced directive. And uh, all of this is a part of the welcome to Medicare. That's all part of the welcome Medicare to Medicare. Medicare pays wow. for it. Yes. Great. So that's a good time to to start talking about advanced directives if you haven't already had that conversation. Well, ideally you've had it long before yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. so, at least this is the one chance to yeah. get it at yeah. least. Yeah. So, now what about, uh, you mentioned the annual visit. Is that, yeah. uh, what's, I think that's the annual wellness visit. Yes. Also a Medicare benefit. Uh, that is a Medicare benefit, but that is something that as a as an adult, you ought to periodically have uh, health maintenance to make sure you're getting right. the preventative services, and any time right. you're doing those, that's a time to bring up the advanced right. directive. Let's, let's not change the oil until you're 65, yeah. or, or not, right, so <laughs> keep doing it every, every year right. at least, right? So where should you store information about um, uh, okay, like if you're like if the family physician is not available and there's an emergency, where do you store the information about what your wishes are? Is there like a place that you would go? What I tell people, uh, and it can vary, but what I tell people is one, it needs to be in an easily accessible place. Okay. Uh, usually in the home or something like that. You need to have a list of people who know where it is. 
mm -hmm. where you can contact them to find out where it is. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, obviously, your primary care doctor is one that you would have that. Uh, usually, an attorney is helping you set these up oftentimes, and they would have one. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are the areas you would have. I also tell people to keep a little card in their uh -huh. purse or their wallet or billfold or something that says, I have an advanced directive and here's who can get in touch with it or mm -hmm. this is where it is. Okay. Right. The other thing I tell them, if you go on a trip and you're going to be out of town, take a copy with you. Keep mm -hmm. it on you. Yeah, we yeah. tell people to keep it on their phone. Yeah. Now with the smartphones and there's storage apps. That yeah, you can get a little Yeah, thing. repositors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's what's most important, the conversation, having someone or that knows what you want, or the document? Uh, I'll probably differ a little bit from what y'all said earlier, okay. but yeah. I think they're both important. Mm -hmm. uh, you gotta look at the circumstances. The document tells you what the patient's wishes were when they were sitting in a calm environment, not stressful, of what they think they would want happen. Yes. So that gives you information and thoughts of what the patient would desire. Mm -hmm. But each situation that you find yourself is a little different. There are unique situations there. And the person with the medical power of a attorney is in the situation. They understand what's going on. There are the differences, like we mentioned earlier, if someone is been knocked out and they're unconscious for a while, but you're expecting them to return, uh, recover, that's yeah. different than if you are terminal and mm -hmm. you're unconscious. So you need them both. Uh, from that perspective. Yeah. Well, I just say that a lot of times yeah. the document is the supporting evidence that the person that's standing in front of the medical provider has the authority yeah. and has some, has had some kind of in conversation right. about what, so they do know what the person wants. Yeah. And it also makes it easier when they have to make those tough decisions for other right. family members and everything to feel comfortable that, oh, yes, this is what my loved one right. wanted. Right. 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 Okay, so you've been 20 plus years, of how long as a physician? Well, 30, long, but we 30 plus, <laughs> okay. Okay, any final remarks about advanced directives? We're gonna put your contact information up oh, okay. and you can go ahead and speak over that, that would be great. Well, an advanced directive to me is one of the most important uh, documents and one of the important gifts you can give your family. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it allows them to really not have to deal with a lot of the stress and anxiety and the grief and the problems that come up when you don't have one and suddenly you're found in that situation. Gotcha. Great. Dr. Dallas, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your information. So, stay with us. When we come back, we'll have a, an emergency room, or an EMS person here to talk about mm -hmm. what if there's an emergency? What do you do then? Stay with us.